Hey there, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and I'm so glad you're tuning in today. In this episode, we are talking about what it means to parent as a highly sensitive person, or HSP. In this episode, you're going to learn what it means to be a highly sensitive person. We're going to talk about some of the different ways that we can begin to understand how sensory overload and multiple competing expectations can cause parents stress. We're going to identify some practical steps to reducing sensory overload, overstimulation, and create realistic expectations for yourself as a parent, and also talk about how we can begin to care for ourselves in this modern era of parenting. I invited Amy onto the podcast. She is a therapist and coach who has spent countless hours supporting highly sensitive parents in reclaiming their peace and confidence. She is a highly sensitive person herself, as well as a mother of two highly energetic young children, and she's going to walk us through it. I'm so excited for you to meet her and to learn more about this experience as a parent. So let's dive in. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a mom to three and licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm really glad that you took the time to hold space for you by tuning in to today's episode. My hope with this podcast is to share conversations with experts from around the world and parents who've been through it so that maybe you feel a little less alone in your experiences and the messy side of being a parent and being a human and so that you can walk away with supportive steps for what to do next. Listening to this episode is not a substitute for seeking support from a professional in your area. I believe that holding space and offering presence to both ourselves and others is truly one of the most meaningful ways that we can express care. And you are so deserving of that care. All right, are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello, I am here with Amy Laginus, and we are going to be talking all about being a sensitive parent, which I am so excited to dive deeper into with you and self-care and like all, all the good stuff, all my favorite stuff to talk about. And so Amy, before we dive in, could you share a little bit about yourself with the listeners so they can get a chance to get to know you? Absolutely. Yeah. So I, um, I'm a therapist and a, and a coach for highly sensitive parents living in San Diego California, and I myself am a highly sensitive parent and a person, and I'm a mom of two very energetic little boys. Um, so that's that's where I'm at. And I, what else? I love to hike. I love to play guitar and sing and carve out some time for myself in the midst of a busy life of motherhood and work. I would love to hear your definition of this. Like, how would you define what it means to be a highly sensitive parent? Because I'm so glad that we have a name for this and that we're talking more about this. Um, I think that the generation before us didn't have that, right? Like, mm, right. words, language, those things matter to sometimes be able to feel like we're not alone in an experience or to describe our experience. And I'm so grateful that we have these terms now. But 
I think sometimes they need to be defined, right? And mm-hmm. we've I've talked about this on the podcast before, and I think that it's important to honor that we all might have different understandings of what this experience might look like. And as for you, someone who identifies as being a highly sensitive parent, what does that mean to you? Yeah, so you're absolutely right to to notice that it, it's different for everybody and that there's not like one single person who is the model highly sensitive person and other people don't count. It really is like many things, a, a spectrum of sensitivity and everyone's experience is really unique with that. Um, so one uh, thing that I find really helpful to f- to help to understand what high sensitivity is and what the HSP trait is, is an acronym that um, Dr. Elaine Aaron, who coined the term HSP, who has done so much wonderful research about high sensitivity, um, created to describe what high sensitivity is. And it's the word does, D-O-E-S. So I'd like to kind of talk about that framework just a little bit, because while it applies to all HSPs, it really helps to me to frame how being highly sensitive offers many gifts to parents, but also creates some unique challenges for for Mm -hmm. those of us who are highly sensitive parents. Um, So yeah, the DOES acronym, uh, the D stands for depth of processing. Um, So anecdotally, HSP parents are pretty reflective of how we want to parent. We're really intentional. and this is wonderful for our children. And it can be really rewarding for us. But there's times when that can feel, we can get stuck in it, right? We can be a little overwhelmed by like, well, what's the right way to do things? And um, and and how can I be the best parent that I possibly can be? So that's depth of processing. The second one is major. It's it's the it's the big one that a lot of people experience, and and where they notice, gosh, I am a highly sensitive person, and being a parent makes that challenging sometimes, and that's being overstimulated easily. Um, So for me personally, that really showed up when my kids were babies, like really little babies. And when I was balancing um, having a a toddler and an infant at the same time, and there were literal (laughs) competing demands from both of them Mm -hmm. and the crying and the pulling and the um, just needing to balance and and all the senses, right? Like the there's yeah. there's the sound aspect, but then there's mm-hmm. the like feeling touched out aspect. All yes. the smells, right? The like visual mm-hmm. of like all the mess or <laughs> all the primary colors like around you yeah. all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> the temperature, right? Like the yeah, yeah so much. Right. You know, absolutely. I'm so glad you mentioned that because it is a lot of the time people just think about like sound as being overstimulating, but it totally is the physical, I call it like baby detritus. Like there's just stuff everywhere and lots to kind of visually track and um, yeah, the, the smells. And sometimes those sensory aspects can feel really nourishing for us, right? Like the cuddles and the the smells of our newborn baby or um, the feel of their hand in ours when they're a little older. It can be so lovely. And sometimes those exact same inputs can be overwhelming and yeah lead to kind of some guilt and some, why, why is my child causing me to feel this way? And am I a bad parent for not enjoying this moment with them? Mm -hmm. And it really comes down to that sensory overload. 
Yeah. Thank you so much for naming that because, I mean, I can think of many, many moments where I have had my um, son, my my middle child who has actually sensory processing disorder and oftentimes will lean up against me almost for his own sensory input. And I understand that now because of the support we've gotten for him. And there's many moments where I remember even his OT saying is because he would do it with her too. And she's like, it's so sweet. And she, but then she acknowledged me. She's like, but I can also imagine that sometimes it's a lot. And I'm like, gosh, thank you for naming that because there are moments where I'm just like, oh my, my, he's my cuddly little guy and he just wants to like, he'll find me, right? Like it, the mm-hmm. whole big couch and he'll find his little, his sweet little body will find mine to lean up against. Yeah. Moments when I love that totally and plenty of moments where I find myself wanting to move away mm-hmm. <laughs> and, then, and then that's when the guilt or shame creeps in, right? With the whispers of like, yeah you know, a good mom wouldn't want to do that or what's wrong with yeah. you. And ugh, it's a, it could be a vicious cycle. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so to me, that's one of the biggest challenges that, that HSP parents face. And, and there's, I'm sure we'll get to talking about how to kind of shift mindset around that and really give yourself grace and, and permission to, to feel what it is you're, that you're feeling and to not label it as good or bad and, and, um, to celebrate the positive aspects of being deeply feeling, um, as well. So yes, we'll get there. We'll get there. So there's the O what's the E there's the O. Yeah. So the E is emotional responsiveness and empathy. And this is one that I, I hope everyone can see right away is a real gift to ourselves, especially when we, um, have, HSP children, which one of mine is and one of mine isn't. So that's (laughs) really interesting. But when we can attune to what they're feeling, to what their needs might be. Um, So sometimes, for example, um, HSP parents might notice like something's off with them or like they seem like they're a little fussy and someone who's not as sensitive um, or as emotionally attuned might take them a little longer. And again, that's okay, right? We're, we all have our strengths and weaknesses, but when we are able to notice and name for our children, oh, you're feeling a little sad today, or I'm, I'm noticing you're feeling a little bit upset about what happened and help them to, to know what it is that they need to feel better. It's such an incredible gift that we can offer to our children. Mm. And, and I can also see though how some of these, just these these first three that you've named, like can sometimes cycle with each other in a way that yeah. actually might be challenging, right? Mm-hmm. So if I get overstimulated and, you know, guilt and shame creeps in, um, there's also the part of me that has empathy, <laughs> right, like yeah. for their need. And then that feels maybe like a comp- like competing against my own need for space. Yeah. <laughs> and then yes. for the – you know, the D, the depth of processing, like I'm thinking so deeply about the kind of parent I want to be and how I want to engage in these moments. I could see sometimes those things, you know, gosh, even almost like battling against, Mm -hmm. um, against each other and against me trying to figure out, well, where, where, like, where are my needs and how do I prioritize those while Mm -hmm. still 
like showing up for my kids and having this deep empathy for like their experience. I don't know. It can be, they can, they can feed into each other in a tricky way. Would you agree? Oh my gosh, absolutely. And to me, that's kind of the crux of, you know, HSP parents learning how to kind of do that dance. And Mm -hmm. what I often see is, um, neglect, self-neglect. I'll just name it for what it is, like self-neglect. And, you know, when, when that empathy kicks in and when we notice, oh my gosh, my kid is distressed because I don't want to cuddle with them. It's, it's like a knife to the gut. It can feel so Mm -hmm. awful for us. Um, and yet (laughs) when we are dysregulated, when we are, um, I kind of use the metaphor of like when we're above, when we're below water, right. When like, Mm -hmm. when we're not above water, when we don't see things clearly, when we're not okay in our bodies or our minds, um, Mm -hmm. we are not the parents that we want to be then either. Mm. And so for me, it comes down to being honest with yourself about, you know, it's so cliche, but you can't pour from an empty cup. You know, if you notice that you're, that you are feeling increasingly um, angry, like rage can come out a lot for HSP parents. And that can feel very unexpected um, for many of us who did not experience that before kids. Um, Irritable, um, tearful, just not ourselves like those are all cues in addition to kind of those physical cues of of panic or you know your heart racing that tell you I'm not okay right now and it's very easy for HSP parents to try to ignore those in favor of being fully well what we think is fully present with our kids but in actuality is kind of being hollow and going through the motions and so it's a really tricky dilemma, Cassidy, that you mentioned, that you named here, and I'm so glad that we're talking about it. I know there's, I know there's another element here that there's the S we, we're going to get to um, of the mm-hmm. DOES acronym, but mm-hmm. I, I, something that's just coming up for me is I've had, I've worked with many clients who have, who would probably really connect with a lot of these these elements so far that you're naming, yeah. right? Like the finding themselves feeling very overstimulated mm-hmm. as a parent and having so much empathy and sensitivity to the people around them. Mm-hmm. But it almost because of maybe their own experiences, history, um, triggers, and then responses of things that maybe they had to learn, you know, growing up to keep themselves safe or keep themselves, you know, uh, close to the people around them have almost learned to like shut that down a little bit, right? Like the empathy is so, the feelings are so big that they've kind of put up some defenses or blocks. And, and that sometimes even they might, like they might say, well, I like, I know that I want to be a better parent, but I don't know necessarily think, feel like I spend enough time thinking about the kind of parent that I want to be. It's almost like it's, that's too intense for me, or I'm too scared to go there because of of all the shame I might feel for like the way in which I'm, I am showing up as a parent or how screwed up I am. Um, And so is there, is there a version of that too, that you see with HSP parents? 
Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, that's one of the, one of the struggles that a lot of people experience is sort of the, the layers, the overlapping layers of expectations and, and shoulds, you know, I should be doing this. And if, you know, this narrative of, if I were a good parent, if I were the, the best mom I could be, I would be doing, you know, fill in the blank. And the challenge is, is that many of those expectations are, they overlap or they, they conflict with one another, right? So um, I'll name like a common one is if I were a good parent, I would be, you know, taking my kid to all of these extracurricular, signing them up for soccer mm-hmm. or like baby music play group. Mm-hmm. And, I, and then there's this other narrative, you know, if I were a good parent, I would be fully present and spending lots of time with my kids at home, you know, working versus not working outside the home. It just, and, and so for many, I think for, particularly for moms, there, it can feel like there's not not a winning combination or not one that's going to meet with approval from all parties. And that includes, you know, society. It includes ourselves, our partners, our parents or other family members or, you know, community members. And that can be really scary to look at that and, and to make an informed decision about how we spend our time and energy as parents when we know that it might not be met with approval or we might be letting somebody down by making the choice that we do. And so it really can lead as you, as you named to parents being overwhelmed or even like freezing and just being um, so uncertain about (laughs) what to do or getting stuck in that guilt or shame as we've talked about that I must be doing something wrong because I'm not doing it like that or because this person's upset about my choice. Yeah. I think that, you know, for the listener, if you're tuning into this episode, there's something that resonates with the idea of um, or connecting to being highly sensitive. And you know, I would, I would offer you this prompt of reflecting on, okay, if you're a highly sensitive adult, you're you are probably a highly sensitive child too. Yeah. And mm-hmm. with all those deep feelings that you had and those sensitivities that you had and how that came out probably when you were very, very, very young, how did the environment and the people around you respond to that, right? Like, what do you think you kind of had to learn to, you know, as as children, it's, you know, deeply ingrained in us, like, from a biological evolutionary perspective to keep our caretakers close to us for survival, right? And mm-hmm. so we learn what pushes them away or what brings them closer, um, right. what what the rules are and expectations are for what we do mm-hmm. with our or what, how people respond to our big feelings or what we sh- yeah. we're supposed to do with them when we feel them mm-hmm. and just to ask yourself like how how do i think people responded to me when i had a tantrum or when i got really overwhelmed or when i let it all out you know um uh, when the you know when my body got dysregulated or you know the the overwhelm of the world around me resulted in whatever it was the stress response mm-hmm. the fight the flying you know the mm-hmm. fight, fight flight freeze you know response right. like yeah how, how do people respond to that and what did you learn about yourself who you are the world around you and how you're supposed to handle those things. Mm-hmm. Into, what did you bring into your adulthood, right? Because that might help you have a deeper, more nuanced understanding of how 
what we're talking about here might actually be showing up for you in those mm-hmm. moments for you and in your body. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I know I, I we just like dove in because it's, it's all <laughs> such good stuff, but there's there's one more. There's an S. So what, what what's the S? Yeah, I love that prompt, by the way, and I I think that can really yield some some powerful insight for for HSPs and parents. Um, so yes, the S is sensitivity to subtle stimuli, mm. and that is I kind of think of HSPs in general as the like the prairie dogs of society that we're kind of like poking our heads out, we're scanning the environment, we're noticing what's going on. Um, you know, scanning for danger, which is is draining, but also kind of um, seeing the beauty in things too. So mm. many HSPs really love just the, the sensory, sensual aspects of life, right? Music and art and mm. natural beauty, and we um, really delight, you know, as parents in our in our the uniqueness of our children's you know physical mm. and emotional selves, um, and so that can be. Um, again, sort of a, a mixed bag. There can be some things that are challenging and we need to learn how to work with. And there's also things that we can, um, it's like the volume's turned up, right? We just notice things and feel things more deeply. The volume is turned up. The vibrancy is turned up. Mm. I so appreciate, I so appreciate you bringing the other side of the coin to each of mm-hmm. these. And I'm just thinking about some folks that I've worked with and people I know in my own life and myself as you're, <laughs> as you're sharing all of this and just thinking how sometimes sometimes what we've learned to shut down in ourselves or how we've what we've learned that we need to do in order to survive sometimes gets in the way of us really having access to that other side of the coin, right? It's like yeah. I might I might walk through life feeling like I really notice like mm-hmm. subtle stimuli and being very sensitive to that, but I might not feel like I have space to really mm-hmm. also connect in with that same part of me that notices the vibrancy of life and mm-hmm. the music and the color and the breeze and all the mute and every the everything all the beauty around me right like it's just if we've if we've learned maybe that we have to be on alert right yeah it gives us this tunnel vision that might not be able not might be conducive to us being able to access those other parts of ourselves right so I so appreciate you bring you naming them though so that this person listening is <laughs> able to identify like okay this this doesn't make me wrong or bad or weak or like there's something wrong with me. Like there's Mm -hmm. so much actual like value to these parts of myself too. I just, Mm -hmm. I got to help my, I got to help these parts feel safe enough to, and, and, and accepted enough to access the other side of it too. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I think that ties into your prompt earlier as well, that, we may have learned that it's not okay to feel deeply, that it's not okay to have that intuition, that that part of us that maybe makes us a little different from other people that we were raised around. And if we were told that our sensitivity is bad, which many of us were, um, stop being so sensitive, why do you cry so much, just stop feeling that way, then it's easy to kind of put a lid on the whole kit and caboodle, or at least try to, and to really lose out on those lovely 
I love the word you use, vibrant, you know, vibrancy giving aspects of our, of our life and our experience. And mm-hmm. um, that, to me, that's a real loss when we, when we not only, you know, try to shut down or, or stuff away the, the parts of our sensitivity that could use some kind attention and healing, but also that we lose out, we, we don't see, we have tunnel vision away from those parts of, of our being, of our, ourselves that um, make us who we are, that are vibrant and beautiful. Mm. Mm. So we've been talking here about like just also the stress response, right? Yeah. And so I maybe we, maybe we can kind of describe this a little bit more, go a little deeper here for the listener mm-hmm. of how can we begin to understand how sensory overload, right, and having multiple competing expectations yeah. <laughs> as a parent – leads to stress, contributes to stress, and then the impact that that's going to have on ourselves and our reactions and our parenting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, the multiple competing demands, I think, is is a really big aspect of this as parents. Um, And that can come from many different parts of our life. It can come from, you know, our work situation attending to multiple needs from the same child or attending to multiple needs for multiple children, um, attending to our own needs, which, as I've mentioned, often kind of gets last um, in the priority list. Um, but sensory overload. So, you know, we talked a little bit about the nervous system just briefly, that that fight, flight, or freeze response. And it's there for a reason. And if we look back in human history, we needed that response in order to keep ourselves physically safe from, you know, predators and that kind of thing. The challenge is that our emotional overwhelm or our sensory overwhelm, our body reads that in much the same way as if like a tiger was chasing us. Our body doesn't totally know the difference between, is it physically going to attack me or is there just a lot going on? And so we can go into that same fight, flight, or freeze, which can look like panic attacks. It can look like intense anxiety. It can look like yelling or anger or rage or, you know, dissociation, just disconnecting with our body and our feelings. Um, And all of these are really hard for us as individuals, but also can make parenting, you know, we've talked about the different layers. It can make the the logistical aspects of parenting more challenging if our our anxiety is really high. And it can also make us feel bad about our ability to be present with our kids when we are experiencing this, this fight, flight, or freeze response. And that's really where the main challenge comes from. We talked about the O in does is, you know, overstimulation and how that, um, you know, I guess I didn't mention it explicitly, but I will now that when we're overstimulated, our bodies can react in that fight, flight or freeze response and um, multiple demands. And you you talked about kind of the different um, five senses, like the different smells and the clutter and the the loud noises and humming and buzzing and all of these things that can, um, can lead to this sensory overload, which leads to fight, flight, freeze, which leads to all sorts of challenging outcomes. And so, (laughs) 
know, I think to kind of just like bring this to life a little, like let's imagine you're, you know, in a moment at home and, you know, you've got the TV on, the TV is blaring because, you know, someone's watching the TV and you have, you know, your, your baby is crying and, you know, wanting to feed and you're feeling hot and sweaty because that's like what (laughs) hormones do to you. And as you're, you know, as you're like walking to go feed the baby, you know, you step on a Lego and, Mm -hmm. you know, you start to smell that, oh, the baby has a dirty diaper. So like, what what do I need to do first, (laughs) the diaper or the feeding? Because if I know if I change the diaper right now, it's going to, the baby's just going to be screaming the whole time. And like right in that moment, you're, you know, dog barks and you're like, you know, you're looking at, you know, the mess around you. And Mm -hmm. then your husband comes home and your partner comes home and they're like, hey, what's going on? And you lose it, right? Like you Mm -hmm. lose it. And part of that, like that moment is your body is taking in all this information from the stimuli around you, trying to decipher are any of these a threat, right? Like that Lego, something on that Lego hurt. There's a baby that's crying. There's, right, like there's a there's mess. Does that mean that I'm a mess? Does that mean that's something bad? Like your body's trying to decipher, is anything yeah. here a threat? And so sometimes that moment of just screaming or that rage that comes out is almost like your body's way of making everything stop, right? Because it's, it's effective, like you're – like the, your toddler might stop, like the dog even might stop, like just to get everything to stop so that your brain can yeah. like figure out where it needs to attend to, um, what it needs to prioritize. And yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot. And I think it's, it's helpful to understand that there's, you know, so there's the fight, flight, freeze response, but p- folks have also talked about um, and done some work around understanding the fawn response, which yeah. is like befriending the enemy, you know, um, but it could also look like putting the needs of others above your own, <laughs> right? Which, <Yeah>. hello, <laughs> um, that could be a very common one. And then there's actually a flock response. So flock means, you know, in the, you know, animal kingdom would mean when there's a threat um, to flock together, right? There's, there's, mm. there's power protection in numbers. And so I think there's, there's also potentially this like urge for us to find like people to help us. But unfortunately, yes. I think in our society, there's a lot of messages around like, you know, individuality and um, a lot of shame around asking for support or help. Um, Mm -hmm. It's difficult to access that, you know, sometimes. Um, Or uh, there's just – there could be a lot of – I mean, it can be a really powerful um, response um, and supportive, Mm -hmm. but can be tricky too, you know. And, -hmm. and, like, where's the village that, like – it takes a village, but where's the village, (laughs) you know? Like, I'm in my home. I can't flock to the village to, like, you know – hand the baby over so I can go rest, you right, know, um, right. ugh, it can be, it, it's, it's really hard. So to, to all of this, you've, we've mentioned self-care and mm-hmm. I'd love to hear from you. Like <laughs> what are some like practical steps to really, you know, addressing the need for self-care. Like we've all heard that like some version of self-care is important, but like how do we realistically do this in modern day parenthood? 
you know, and maybe to that topic, like what are some of the unique challenges that like modern day parents face when it comes to taking care of themselves? Yeah, well, I I think you named a really important one just now, which is the lack of a a village, so to speak, right? Um, I often will say to parents things along the lines of this is not a you problem, this is a societal problem, just to decentralize the, you know, shame or guilt that they might feel about not being able to be the best parent they can be 24 seven. And, you know, if we take a look at that, we realize, okay, that's impossible. None of us can be an amazing parent beyond 24 seven. And yet historically we did, um, at least here in the United States, we had, um, we have had more of a village support around us, right? We've had extended family, and, and here in the United States now, we don't often have that. We're, we live far away from family or we have really um, intense work lives or, or um, just a very, very busy schedule. And it can be very difficult to have the time that we need to take care of ourselves, to take care of our family in the way that ideally we would want to. So so time constraints, I think, is a, is a big one. Um, and we've also mentioned just the guilt and shame. And that's really where I see a lot of highly sensitive parents get stuck, uh, really stuck with um, with not being able to engage in self-care in an effective way. Um, and, and by the way, I, I, I'm going to pause and just examine like what is self-care before I go further than this, because yeah. I think a lot of us have this idea of self-care as like yoga, which is like all of these things are wonderful, by the way, but they're not... <laughs> They're not necessarily like the full definition of what self-care could or should be. Um, And it's not just something that people who have a lot of privilege or a lot of time can or should access. Mm -hmm. And so to me, self-care, it's really important, especially for highly sensitive parents, to name that it's not just about adding things on. Like certainly that can be lovely, right? Like getting a massage or... Um, having lunch with a friend or those kind of things. That's wonderful. But a lot of it, the the self-care that highly sensitive parents tend to need is in reducing, is in taking things Mm -hmm. off their plate. Um, So whether that is really looking at um, a work situation or a volunteering situation and saying, is this sustainable for me? Do I want to say yes to this? Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, we're recording this around the holidays and, you know, do I, do I want to travel? Do I want to commit to going to three parties in one week? And you, often the answer is no, or at least not <laughs> to the extent that we're doing it. And right. so self-care is really, to me, an equation, not just of adding things, but of subtracting things mm. that are too much, that are causing stress, that we may might be excited about or want to do, but just aren't working for us at that mm. moment in time. And and really giving ourselves the permission to say no. I mean, that's a whole other episode, in my opinion, of like saying no as a parent, probably. But um, yes. Yeah. But super important in the, and especially, yes, I think with modern day parenthood and just like how much stimuli like we're talking here about like being overstimulated how much stimuli we're receiving and like how many tabs we have open in our brain and the expectations and it's 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 so much right and so we oftentimes have to explore yes the boundaries and what it is that we're going to take off the schedule and like or and or reprioritize in our lives Mm -hmm. 
in order to create more margins, right? Like I think mm-hmm. I oftentimes if I take a look at, at a day and I feel at the end of the day really drained, a lot of times it's in that day that I'll notice that there just was not a lot of margin, a lot of margin for like my brain, for my body, like for my brain to process even just what just ex- I experienced, right? Or for my body to like eat or to rest mm-hmm. or to just be still, right? To like yeah. go outside. <laughs> um, and and sometimes those boundaries look like saying no. Sometimes those boundaries look like saying yes to screen time for my child so that I can <laughs> get yeah. some of that space for myself if I don't have that village around me. Sometimes it looks like exploring ways that I can activate that su- a support system, right? And mm-hmm. or get support in other ways if 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 asking for help is hard, like going to therapy to yeah. figure out how I can, you know, do that and not have to do that alone. Um yeah. walk that alone, but yeah, it's um yeah. for me a lot of times it's about looking for the margins and creating more space for margins. Mm. Absolutely. I think that I call it kind of like a buffer zone. And that's something that society doesn't really encourage having buffers between activities, but it is so critical for most HSPs to have those buffers and they don't even need to be long. Um, So, you know, something between an activity. So say you're, you know, for me, I work from home and I find that if I go straight from my home office and, and walk right out and need to start making dinner or engaging with my kids right away. I'm often not as fully present or in a great mood just because it's, it's too quick of a transition and I haven't had time to kind of integrate physically or mentally my day and to, to move forward intentionally into what the next, um, the next part of the day, kind of putting on a different hat, so to speak, might look like for myself. And so I think, you know, getting into some practical ways to engage in self-care that are going to really have an impact, but also be workable for highly sensitive parents, having that buffer or having those micro breaks, I call them, we might not have the opportunity to go out and, you know, go to the gym for an hour every day when we have little ones at home. Um, But many of us, if we, if we, if we prioritize and if we truly give ourselves permission, say, this is important, not just for me, but for my family, to take care of myself in this way, many of us can carve out, you know, 15 minutes to do a yoga or meditation practice online or to pick up, um, you know, a a paintbrush and some paints and Mm -hmm. just do a little, a a 10 minute painting, right? So it doesn't need to be, um, and often we don't have access to, um, you know, those longer stretches, you know, a weekend retreat, for example, also wonderful, highly recommended for HSP parents. Um, And, but if we don't have that, give ourselves permission, can we, you know, take our child on a walk to the park and sit them in the stroller for their nap and, you know, bring a book and and lay on the grass? Mm -hmm. Or um, can we ask, you know, a friend to meet us somewhere or just, so finding those time time for breaks um, or, or sub, you know, as we said, subtract, subtracting things from our schedule can also be a really powerful form of self-care. And then the third that's, um, again, can get stuck in sort of this guilt is reducing sensory input. And so mm-hmm. 
I know a common one is, you know, wearing um, no- noise reducing headphones or noise canceling headphones. Um, that can be so supportive. And when I suggest that to parents, sometimes there's a response of, oh my gosh, but does that make me like <laughs> a bad parent that I don't want to listen to my mm-hmm. baby cry? And I usually will say something along the lines of, you'll still hear them cry. Like you'll still hear them cry through the headphones. We just don't need, we already have the volume turned up and your body is going to respond better to hearing the volume at 20% versus a hundred percent. Yep. Um, yeah. My husband wears um, head can- noise canceling headphones on a daily basis. And mm-hmm. I didn't, I, I know as a partner at first, it, I, I was triggered by it. I was mm-hmm. like, one of his um, friends got it for him for Christmas one year. A, a friend that now I reflect like knew him very, very <laughs> deeply well. Um, and uh, he started wearing them a lot. Mm-hmm. He really seemed to be into it. And I remember mm-hmm. feeling like he's like canceling us out, right? Like, mm-hmm. like you're just not listening to us now. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so, and it really took actually my son our son getting diagnosed with sensory processing disorder and then my husband really relating to it, um, that then we, we we both and I more deeply understood that actually when he's doing this, it is – he could still hear us, but it's a way for him to remain present and take care of himself so that he can show up as a parent who's not overstimulated and overwhelmed and then thus irritable, right? And so mm. – Really, and, and so I think as a partner, that was really helpful in kind of naming. And then as an individual, for him to, for the individual to not feel like this is something that I should be ashamed of or feel guilty around. Like this is actually a version of me taking care of myself, right? Like finding ways to um, really, yeah, turn down the dial of mm-hmm. that overstimulation and the sensory input that you're getting. And headphones can be a great one. Mm. Yeah, I I absolutely love what you just said about using things like noise canceling headphones or, um, you know, for me, another big one, for example, is like avoiding really intensely crowded or loud places like um, like Chuck E. Cheese or like kids' birthday parties at bouncy trampoline places. It's and and there's some guilt associated with that, right? But but I gosh, I wish I could just bottle up what you just said and just sprinkle it all over HSP parents everywhere about how when we make those choices to, to I guess it's setting boundaries, right? It's it's setting yeah. boundaries around the inputs, it's setting boundaries around what places feel okay for us or you know, what which environments are not so supportive to our sensory selves. Um, that ultimately it's in service of us being healthy and and truly to us being the best parents that we possibly can be, right? Um, mm. We may wish, oh, I wish my, and this is okay. We may wish my that our children's cries or my, my eight-year-old son, my older son is very, um, he has just high attention needs. I love him. And he also just is like, hey, mommy, show me this. I want to do this and loves to just kind of be all over. And that's beautiful. And there's also times when it's overwhelming and it's overstimulating. And I might have a moment of self-compassion and, and I hope encourage other parents to do this as well, where I say, oh, I wish that I was not quite so overstimulated by that part of my sense, you know, being, and yet I accept myself and 
notice the gifts of my sensitivity as well? And how can I, like I would with anyone else, how can I compassionately respond to my unique needs, my limitations, the things that do and don't work for me, and really nurture that? And I think sometimes those simple things like wearing the noise canceling headphones or, you know, taking these micro breaks. Um, I, by the way, I love what you said about this, this screen time. And I've actually told one of my clients once I said, um, please have a minimum amount of screen time per day, not a maximum, a minimum. I said, you should be putting your your child on, you know, at least 20 or 30 minutes of screen time per day so that you can get that downtime because otherwise it is to hear someone say that thank you (laughs) yeah I mean and and she was like what um but really you know giving ourselves permission to to give her to take that time to do things that on the surface might make us feel like you know quote bad parents to to turn on the volume on our kids or to take a break from them and then really reflect on, as you did, you know, with your husband wearing the headphones, that, wow, this actually made me or made this made my partner more present and more calm and more regulated. And what a gift that mm-hmm. he gave to your mm-hmm. family and to himself by taking that step, even though it took a little bit of adjustment to get used to it. Yeah, totally. Oh my gosh. Um, and, and I think, you know, to the, I love that you're talking about like a minimum of screen time, right? Like for you <laughs> as a parent. Yeah. yeah. And then I think yeah. what I, what I had to kind of reflect on for myself in that too, is then like, how am I spending that time? Right. Like, mm. I mean, I like it's, we're, we're so addicted to our phones. Right. And it's just like yeah. and Instagram, for instance, like is literally built to keep us like our finger just turning to it to scroll. Mm. But I know that there, I, there's a lot of beauty that I have found through social media and connection and maybe the listener found me there and now they're listening to this episode. So I love that that little app was able to build this bridge for us. But also I know for me as I'm scrolling, my brain is just taking in a lot more input. And so how I choose to, while my child is on a screen, choose to create that margin and space for myself, right, to regulate my nervous system um, I might choose to like notice that I went straight to my phone and then uh, I'm going to put this down for a moment. And I think instead I'm going to like go outside with like, mm-hmm. I'm going to make myself some tea and like go outside for a little bit and just like let myself just be while the screen time babysitter is like <laughs> helping me in this moment <laughs> to get that like micro break. Right. So just like having that intention, just like noticing those like impulses for more information and um, and pausing, taking a beat, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think another, what I kind of want to maybe would love to like end with here is just sharing another gift of being a highly sensitive parent, um, and what that can be mean for our children because of that empathy. Like we can really deeply understand and have access to what our children might need with their feelings, right? And their deep feelings or their sensitivities. Um, You mentioned you have a highly sensitive child. I do too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what that means is that like in a moment when say my toddler is crying and my highly sensitive, deeply feeling middle child screams, June, stop. I, I get that because he is overstimulated in that moment. And just like I, in the example I gave earlier, sometimes will rage and yell to make things just stop so that my brain gets a moment to like figure out if it's a threat or not, right? Like, or just to make it stop. Like he's doing the same thing in that moment. And so 
I can have that, that empathy inside of me in that moment can acknowledge that what he's needing is like to turn down the volume, right? And so he has headphones. And so I'll actually say, hey, bud, um, I, you know, hey, bud, do you think that maybe the headphones could help right now? Because she's having feelings and just like you get to let them out, she gets to let them out too right now. Um, you want me to go grab those headphones for you, right? Or to like name it for him. Like, you know what I th- – and, and maybe later on, like maybe after when sure. we're going to bed and cuddling at night, like, hey, but you know that moment when June was crying and the TV was on and, mm-hmm. um, you know, the dog was there and, you know, I think I felt in those moments before, I have felt overstimulated. Like my body was just having too much information coming in. Mm-hmm. Do you think – do you kind of relate to that? And it gives him – language, which yeah. then later on, this is, a, this is such a beautiful example. And like, obviously it doesn't always turn out look like this, but mm-hmm. we were traveling and he was in the back seat with a cousin of his who was a baby and cried for, we were in traffic and this little cousin cried for like 30 minutes straight in the car. And he was in the back oh, with gosh. the baby. And, you know, he started off like trying to distract him and play with him, make him laugh. And then the baby was not laughing or distracted. The baby just cried. We get to our destination and it's a new environment too. But he came up to me and I could see it. I mean, he, on like, the last like 10 minutes, he was just like in the back, like covering his ears, like rocking back and forth, kind of, you know, like whining and complaining himself. Um, we get there and he looked at me. He's like, mom. And he had the word for it. I am overstimulated. Can I go in a room by myself? And, you know, we just got there. There was, like, family that he hadn't seen yet that we were supposed to, like, you know, all these expectations of, like, say hello to this person and that person. Like, the kid just sat for 30 minutes with a crying baby in the back. Like, had the language to communicate what he was feeling, what he needed. And I went to – um, my aunt and I was like, Hey, um, can Everson just go hang out in a room for a little bit before he like, you know, says hi to everyone. He just needs some space and time. And she was like, she kind of like, it was like such a, like a, a odd request, but she's like, okay, sure. And got him, you know, I got him a glass of water. He was in this like dark room by himself for a while. And I just told him, let me know, you know, when you're ready to come out, I'll, I'll come check in on you in a bit if you want. And then the aunt came to me afterward and she was like, that is so – she's like, I never – like, she was just, like, bewildered. And she's like yeah. – because she's – she's I, I, I think a highly sensitive person. She's like, I have never given myself permission to ask for what your son just asked for. Like, mm. I'm walking into space and I think I just need to be alone before I engage with everyone because I'm overwhelmed and overstimulated. And, you know, gosh, plenty of moments where he doesn't have the word, sure, he doesn't ask us the words and it's like super messy or I like, or I, or, or I'm just like, no, the expectation, like we can't do that right now. Like, you know, yeah. all that stuff. But it was one of those moments where I was just like, this is a gift I can give to him. Mm-hmm. And I have access to the empathy and understanding because of my own sensitivities. Right. And I can ask myself in, in these moments, what, what, what did I really need as a kid? Mm-hmm. What did I? What, what could I have really used in that moment in support, so I didn't just have to figure, feel like I had to shut that part of myself down, you know? Or mm-hmm. what could I have really learned in a moment like that as a kid? And being able to offer that to our children, I think, is a gift that that part of us can bring to the table. Yes, so true. And you know, 
not only to teach our children and to, to model to them what they need, which is I, my, my husband's actually not an HSP at all. And he, I'm grateful for that in many ways because mm, yeah. he can pick up the slack when I'm like, oh my gosh, I need, I need that time. And he can kind of be like, yeah, sure, whatever. That's fine. Um, you know, a lot of the time. And sometimes I find myself feeling guilty that I need more of that time than he does. But on the flip side, there's been many times where he said to me, oh, I'm so grateful that you have this sensitivity and you know what our children need and you know how to respond to their emotions and you can help them, you know, in a similar way to what you just described, um, you can help them to, to have the language and to know how to, you know, become calm and to take good care of themselves in those moments. And he doesn't feel like he's quite as able to do that um, because he's not highly sensitive. And so there really is, you know, a gift there's gifts on both sides of the, on all sides of the spectrum, really. Um, and, you know, not only, I, I love how you gave your lang- the language and the permission to your son to take that break, but can we not only do that for our kids, but can we learn <laughs> and give ourselves permission to do it for ourselves, right? Like how many times have we wanted to, after a long trip or a hard day at work, to take that half an hour or 10 minutes and it it really goes back to that buffer time right in like a very meaningful way it's it didn't take too long he just needed a quiet room I call it a cozy corner sometimes like Mm -hmm. just a place that's not cluttered that's quiet that maybe has um you know some things that make us feel good I know like smells that make us feel good or essential oils or just something soft and cuddly or um you know we're we're big kids in a way right we we need our sensory needs met as well and um, what might it look like for you to start not only giving your child permission to to take care of themselves in that way, but also to give yourself the permission mm-hmm. to do that? Oof, yeah. And that's that's like the harder one, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it's like but we it's so it's it's really tricky to take our kids somewhere to teach them something that we struggle to do for ourselves. So that's a hard truth, but like a really, really meaningful and important one. And maybe, and maybe that's the bridge that we take to like say, okay, maybe I do need to understand more of these things for myself and like, you know, process some of my old old stuff and learn some tools for myself so that I can help my kids. And then, you know, once you get in there, it's hopefully you can also begin to develop the sense of like, it's, this isn't just for my kids, but this is because I am deserving and worthy of this, even outside Mm -hmm. of what I can do for others around me. Uh, This has been such a meaningful conversation for me personally, and I hope it is for the Mm -hmm. listener. Amy, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people connect with you if they would like to learn more about your work? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. It's always a pleasure to talk about this. And I'm just so passionate about empowering highly sensitive parents to not see their sensitivity as a flaw and, mm. and you know, something to be fixed, but really something to be celebrated and to be leveraged for themselves and for their, their parenthood journey. Um, so listeners can find me at Highly Sensitive Parenthood. Uh, that's the website, highlysensitiveparenthood.com. I'm also on Instagram and YouTube um, under those names, and I have a, a podcast under that name as well. And um, I'd like to offer to for listeners of Holding Space, I'd love to offer a 20% off um, 
coupon for any of the gifts or any of the resources and services through um, HighlySensitiveParenthood.com. You simply use holding space, all caps, no spaces, um, to get 20% off. And I'd love to connect with you. You can email me as well, um, Amy at HighlySensitiveParenthood.com. Thank you, Amy, so much. I'll be sure to share all of that in the links in the show notes for the listener if they want to go straight there and check it out. Again, thank you so much, so much for coming on. Um, As I said, such a meaningful conversation in so many ways for me. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Cassidy. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when future episodes air. And go and explore some of those past episodes. Maybe there's a topic in there that you've really been wanting to learn more about. You can learn more about my private practice as well as my parenting courses and workshops at the link in the show notes. You held space for yourself today. You carved out the time and you tuned into this episode. I hope you take a moment to honor how meaningful that is. Yes, to me for sure, but also for you. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.